welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast, where this year we are sharing 52 financial tips to transform your finances. So if you want to be better at managing your money, you want to pay off debt, you want to buy your first home, or you want to learn about investing and where to invest, how to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome to week seven. And this week, this tip is going to talk about attacking your debt. So last week, I gave you an exercise to look at collating some information about the debt that you have right now in the bid that we can understand what we have. And within that, you should now have everything in one place and we should now be able to take a methodical look at how we attack your debt strategically. So before we get into this week's tips, What I want to do is I want to start off by making sure that I make a couple of things clear. First and foremost, this week's tip is not going to give you, none of them are going to give you an introduction to things like debt management plans, debt relief orders, individual voluntary arrangements, which are IVAs or bankruptcies. They're not going to give you an introduction to any of those. These are tips that you can implement into your finances that have worked for me in the past and things that from a financial point of view make sense to do in attacking your debt. The second thing that I want to make clear is that obviously with these tips, I don't know your personal circumstances. Therefore, if you're in a position where your debt truly is overwhelming, I would strongly recommend that you seek out a regulated debt counsellor who can give you advice specific to your circumstances. I will give you links to how you find one in the article and in the description box if you are watching this via YouTube. If you're listening via the podcast, then please refer either to the YouTube channel or in the community. If you've not joined, please do join. It is free. So let's get into this. So tip number one is we need to prioritize our debt. Now, I mentioned last week that we were going to go through a bit of a segmentation exercise. And what I meant by that was we were going to look at the information that you correlated in the exercise and decide methodically about how we address and attack your debt. Now, in prioritizing your debt, it's really important that we understand one big factor. Which of your debt is costing you the most money? Which one are you paying the highest interest on and we work down from there so in segmenting in segmenting um, your debt or listing them you need to list them by your highest interest rate first so for example if you've got a credit card where you're paying 17.9 you've got a loan where you're paying 9.9 then your credit card takes precedent identifying your debt and prioritizing your debt is tip number one Tip number two is we need to also allocate funds to this. Um, So you can't pay off debt if you haven't got money. If you haven't got money left over, there's no way you can do this, which is why in week five, I asked you to review weeks one to four, particularly paying attention to week three where we created a spending plan. Now that week, you will recall that we talked a lot about understanding what you've got in your essential bucket, what you've got in your non-essential bucket, and what you've got in your disposable income bucket. The whole idea with that was to understand where you could cut some fat if you needed to, probably from your non-essentials bucket, and how you could make your disposable bucket bigger because 
this is what you're going to use a disposable bucket for, is to attack your debt. So we need to identify where we're going to source money to pay off this debt. So I would strongly encourage you, if you've not done the exercise, reviewing weeks one to four, particularly paying attention to week three, that you do that right now and then come back to this point before we get into the main tips that we're moving on to next. So there are different kind of debts that you can hold. I wanna talk about them individually and I wanna start with one which is a scourge, I would say, here in the UK because Let's face it, a lot of companies have made a lot of money and as a result, a lot of people have got hurt and got themselves into worse positions than they were prior because of this thing. And this one thing is payday loans. If you have a payday loan, you are likely paying astronomical interest rates on the amount that you borrowed. If you do have these, it's really important that you prioritize this debt first out of everything else that you owe because it is costing you the most amount of money in terms of interest. Now, when we talked about allocating cash, you really need to try and make sure that you can throw as much money at this as you possibly can. You may think that that amount is small, but believe me, it will help. It's that snowball effect that you're looking, looking after. You start to build momentum and all of a sudden, you start really making headway into it. You need to allocate as much money as you possibly can to this. So payday loans has to come top of your agenda if you hold them. Second one that I, want to, that I want to talk about is one that I have personal experience with, and that is credit cards. Now, credit cards are open-ended debts. They are rolling debts. They just continue to exist. And certainly for me, my credit cards were a source of stress and just anxiety. I hated it because I was in a position where I owed an amount of money, but me being me back then with no financial discipline whatsoever, I make the minimum payment. And it wasn't until probably a year or so into pay making the minimum payments, I looked at my statement because I wasn't looking at my statements back then to realize, well, actually I've paid nothing of the capital off. And it really gave me a bit of a kick up the backside. And that's the danger that you run with credit cards and the fact that if you make your minimum payment, the amount you owe is still outstanding. And for many people, you just feel like you're in this cycle that you just can't get out of. And it's this ongoing thing. It's this ongoing source of worry and stress that you just consistently have all of the time. Now with your credit cards, there are a number of things that you can do. First and foremost, prioritizing is important. If you have more than one credit card, you need to have a look at the interest rates that you're paying and attack your highest interest card first. So if you've got one at 17.9, one at 10.9, you attack the one at 17.9. It's really important, obviously, that you have a look at making sure that you maintain the minimum payments across all of your cards. But the idea here is that in addition to your minimum payment for your highest rate card, you throw some additional money at it from your disposable income. Very, very important to make sure that you get the consistency and you keep that consistency up. The second thing you can do for credit cards, you can do a thing called a balance transfer. I know many of you would have you know, heard about this, but a balance transfer is essentially where you have the ability to transfer from a Barclay card, for example, to a Virgin card and you paid zero interest for either a 24 or a 36 month. There are lots of deals out there at the moment on the open market. 
you just do a little bit of research. Now, it goes without saying, if you do want to do a balance transfer, your credit report is extremely important. If you've had missed payments or late payments, the bottom line is you are going to be declined. So this probably won't work for you. But if you do get the opportunity to have a balance transfer, there are probably two things that I would really recommend that you pay attention to. First and foremost is pay attention to your psychology when you do the balance transfer. What do I mean by that? A lot of people fall into the mistake of doing a balance transfer from a Barclays to a Virgin, pay no interest, and all they basically do is continue to make the minimum payment. Now, whilst the minimum payment doesn't have any interest factored into that, when you do a balance transfer, you should be looking to pay down that card as much as possible because you pay off quicker. By allocating an additional 20 pounds to the minimum payment or 50 pounds to the minimum payment means that you're gonna pay this off a lot quicker. What that basically means is you get that momentum which you can then use to move on to the second card once you paid the first one off. Pay attention to your psychology around this. Make sure that you put a process in place, whether you do a direct debit every single month for an amount over and above the minimum payment to make sure that it's not something that you possibly, that you have to do on a monthly basis and you could possibly forget. The second thing to bear in mind when you're doing a balance transfer is, clearly if you've gone from a Barclay card to a Virgin card, you have an additional card make sure that you get rid of that Barclay card. I have seen clients do a balance transfer and not destroy the old card, and two, three months later, they're back adding money onto the Barclay card, which completely defeats the point in the first place. And the only thing you're doing is adding debt to the molehill that you already have when the objective is to pay it down. So please cut up any cards that you transfer a balance from so that you don't have the temptation to use it. And that leads me on to my next thing, which is, again, a mindfulness thing. If you do have this strategy to pay down your credit cards, make, don't put yourself in a position of temptation. I know, as for me as a person, that I'm quite a spontaneous spender. And therefore, when I pay down my credit card or was paying down my credit cards, I would not carry that same credit card in my wallet or purse. That's a danger for me and it could be for you as well. So when you do implement your strategy to pay this off, take that credit card out of your wallet, out of your purse and put it somewhere that is out of reach so you don't feel tempted to use that card and add more debt to the debt that you already have. Overdrafts, overdrafts are a pain as well. I have experience with this, unfortunately. And with an overdraft, I, it was weird because when I had it, I found myself in a position where I didn't like looking at my bank statement because I knew that I was constantly in the minus. And that's the trouble with an overdraft. The cycle that you get into is ever more apparent because it's in your it's it's your account, it's your it's your running account, it's your current account. And I remember I'd get paid, the overdraft would eat up my pay, but Obviously, I needed the money to live and therefore I'd go and spend that money and every single month I just knew that I was a minor. So I, I stopped looking at my bank balances and that in itself is a bad thing. Now, with overdrafts, you have to be a little bit careful. Well, not careful, but you need to be cognizant of how these things work. So typically, when you go to your bank and ask for an overdraft, they will have a pre-approved amount for you depending on how your account is run, 
depending on how much you have going into your account, whether you have any missed payments, whether you have any late payments, how long you've been with them for, so on and so forth. They have a pre-approved amount based on your history with them. And they can make that intelligent decision because they know so much about you having banked with them for a while. What people don't realize is that when you have an overdraft with a bank, it's not easy to pay down or reduce your overdraft amount because the system pre-approves you for a certain amount and it doesn't give you a range in between. So for example, if you approve for a thousand pounds, for example, you can use your thousand pounds, but it won't allow you to reduce it to 500 quid because the agreement is for a thousand pounds. That's what it's been pre-approved for. And it sounds counterproductive and counterintuitive, but that's how the system works. So when I was paying off my overdraft, what I had to do is I had to pay money into a different account on a monthly basis until I got to the point where I had enough to pay into my current account and go to my bank and say, I want to now clear my overdraft because it was impossible for me to go from a thousand to 500 to 200 to 300 and pay it down by way of steps. No, I had to have the money all available in a different account to pay into my current account for them to then clear it. So that is a strategy that I employed. I believe it will work for you. But with overdrafts, if you are in that situation, don't don't put your head in the sand. You know, acknowledge that it's there. Yes, it might be painful to look at, but as long as you implement a plan, just remember the light is at the end of the tunnel and that's the important thing. And you know, being consistent with your approach will get you to the end of that tunnel. Now, personal loans, a lot of people have these. And for a lot of people, it's something that they're easily able to account for because you know how much it's, it is that's going out of your account. And you know at the end of 24 months or in six months or whatever term you have left, the amount is going to be paid off. However, some people still want to make payments over and above their personal loan uh, monthly payments because they want to pay off a little bit earlier. And this will apply for things like your car agreements as well. Now, most loan providers or car uh, finance providers will allow you to make over payments either on a monthly basis or quarterly or on an ad hoc basis. You need to check with your provider. But in doing so, what you're able to basically do is reduce the term that you've got the agreement for. And by reducing term, you also reduce the amount of interest that you pay to the agreement or to the provider as it were. So if you do have personal loans or car finance or anything like that, it's really important that you have a conversation with whoever your lender is just to understand how the repayments basically work. What they will be able to do is they will be able to give you an estimate on how much interest you're likely to save by making an overpayment of X. And you can talk to them about whether it's worthwhile or more beneficial in terms of the interest savings to make it monthly, quarterly, or to do it as a one-off lump sum. But with personal loans, a lot of people do have them, you know, said it's accounted for. So it's, it's an easy, comfortable thing to, to have as long as you've got it and you can afford it. Mortgages. Now, mortgages are beautiful things. They are probably the biggest purchase you are ever going to make. Certainly one of the more expensive and definitely the longest debt that you're ever going to hold. I mean, mortgage terms now go up to 25, 30, 30, 35 years sometimes as well. So with a mortgage, it pays for the house over your head and it's a big commitment. And obviously for many people, it is a dream to pay off their mortgage early because it means they have security. They have peace of mind in knowing that the roof over their, over their head is basically paid for, not to mention it adds to your bottom line, your net worth. So houses are a great investment. Now, for many people who want to pay off mortgages, there are a couple of things that you need to know. Now, as you know, I'm a 
former mortgage advisor. And within a mortgage, a lot of the providers will allow you to make overpayments every single year. Now, the minimum that all of the providers have signed up to is 10%. However, there are some providers who will allow you to pay 20% off. Now, there is devil in the detail here, and this is where the conversation with your mortgage provider is very, very important. So here in the UK, most of the providers will say you can pay either 10 or 20% off the remaining balance of your mortgage or your original mortgage amount. Now, that difference is an important one to understand. So for example, if you bought a house for for 200,000 pounds five years ago, and you've been on a full repayment mortgage, and in your fifth year, your outstanding balance is 170,000 pounds, 10 or 20% of 170 is very, very different to 10 or 20% of 200,000. So it's really important that you understand from your lender's point of view, what is written into your mortgage agreement in terms of how you make your overpayments. It is also worthwhile noting that you can make over the minimum payment amount that they recommend. So for example, if your provider says, or your mortgage lender says, you can pay 10% per year, you can make a payment of 15 or 20%. You can make an overpayment of whatever amount you want. However, you will pay a penalty for making the overpayment. Why? because the mortgage lender is missing out on interest because you're overpaying and you're shortening the term and therefore they levy a a fee for that. Again, it's worthwhile having a conversation with your mortgage provider. Now, the last thing I wanna mention is consolidation. Now, many people would have heard this, many people do this. Consolidation is where you basically take say three credit cards and you roll it into one payment. You can do this via a personal loan and you can also do it via a mortgage. I'm gonna talk about personal loan first and foremost. Now, if you do it via personal loan, you're going to be doing it over a short period of time. Now, one thing that's really important to bear in mind when you're looking at personal loans and their terms though, is if you're taking out a loan for five years, your monthly repayment will be less than if you did it for three years. However, you are paying more interest because you have more months to pay over than you would do if you took out a three year loan. So that's very important to acknowledge from the outset. One thing that is absolutely crucial if you're looking to consolidate is the fact that your credit report needs to be healthy. You cannot afford to have had missed payments or late payments when you're looking at a consolidation. The bottom line is you are going to get declined. So make sure that your credit history is spot on, your payment history is spot on. You won't be able to do that without this. The other angle that you can use when you look at consolidating is you can do it onto a mortgage. Again, what I just referenced in terms of the credit history and credit payments, your credit payment history has to be, again, intact. You can't afford late or or missed payments. You're gonna get declined. However, with a mortgage, one thing that is absolutely crucial is that you have enough equity in the property. What I mean by that is if your property is worth 200,000 pounds and you have a mortgage of say 100,000 pounds, the potentially 
usually you have up to £100,000 in equity to you. So you need to have enough equity in your property to do so. Your lender may also in, in, include a restriction on how much you can borrow. They call this a loan to value. So you wouldn't be able to borrow over a certain amount in comparison to the value of your home. That will vary from lender to lender, but it's important that you understand how much you can use in terms of your equity so that you can plan accordingly. The other thing that is really important to understand with a mortgage, and I kind of touched on this with the personal loan side of things, is that with a mortgage, typically you're lending over a longer period of time. And because of that, your mortgage rate is going to be significantly less than if you did it via a personal loan. Now there is benefit in that, in the fact that your monthly repayments will be less. However, because you're lending over a longer period of time, clearly you're going to be paying more interest. Now, if you do want to consolidate onto a mortgage, it's really important that you go and seek a financial uh, a mortgage advisor because you can't do it any other way. So seek out a mortgage advisor, go to your mortgage lender, they may be able to do it directly with you there. Or if you want to do it via a personal loan, then you need to go and see your bank and go through the credit application as you would normally do. Guys, when you look at consolidating, um, just a final thought for me on that point, is that a lot of the lenders now, be it banks or mortgage providers, will go through something called affordability with you. Now, affordability is really important because all they're basically looking at here is they want to establish that you can actually afford to repay the monthly commitment that you're that you're setting yourself up to. And unfortunately, this isn't, isn't just as easy as, this is what I've got coming in and this is what I've got going out. There are certain formulas that they apply. So it's really important that when you go to either your bank or your mortgage provider that you understand and ask them specific questions about their affordability criteria. If you don't pass the affordability criteria, then it means that your application is gonna get declined. We are gonna be talking about credit scores and all that kind of stuff in a few weeks time. So you don't wanna apply for anything that will have a negative impact on that. So it's very, very important that you ask the right questions. Ask about the affordability um, test that they do. Ask about how it actually works. You can get an understanding before you go for a full application. Now, if you have, um, carried out you know weeks two and three and done that exercise then this will help you when you go and apply for personal loans because they're going to ask you for your income and your, your expenditure you've got it available there from weeks two and three so I guess I want to kind of put across here guys that everything that I'm putting into this program over the next 52 weeks, you'll find that a lot of them are going to be interconnected they will all speak to each other and whenever an exercise is kind of put out there for you guys to do there is reason for that as well and again when we come back and reference a lot of these things you'll find that there will be a lot of interlinking with the topics and some of the exercises as well so please to get the best out of the 52-week program please embark on doing the exercises there are reasons for them they are functional in in their intention so that's the tip for this week guys i know that i've covered an awful lot here and Invariably, there are going to be questions, and rightly so. If you do have questions, I know that money is a really sensitive topic to talk about, particularly debt. Um, if you don't want to put it on the forum in the community, then feel free to message me privately. Also, if you don't want to talk in the community, you want to do it on Instagram, feel free to drop me a DM in there too. If you're watching on YouTube, 
find me on Instagram or join the community. The community is free to join. There is a link in the description box. If you're listening on the podcast, you know where to go now, either the website, find me on on Instagram, or you can join the community for free as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. I will look forward to seeing you guys next Monday, and I look forward to hearing your comments and your thoughts. Have a great week. Another great episode down, but our journey together doesn't have to end here. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening on right now. And please don't forget to give us a good rating. That would mean the world to me. If you feel connected to the podcast and you found value in the episode that you've listened to today, join our free community where you will find free resources and more in-depth content on all things finance and money. And you will also find a community where you'll be supported by people who are on a similar journey to you. Links to our free community can be found on our website, conversationofmoney.com or on our Instagram at conversationofmoney. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Again, it means the world to me. I'm your host, Peter. Until next week, take care.